Welcome to Locally Sourced Media. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and we have a Good People, Cool Things first on here. Three guests, all part of the On the Right Path book series. We have MBA coach Brett Gunning, author Stacy Padula, and illustrator Maddie Moore, and all three of them are chatting about putting a book series together, which is a pretty impressive thing to do. Stacy and Brett and Maddie are all talking about the inspiration behind this book series, what it's like collaborating in the midst of a pandemic, and Brett shares some of his favorite moments as an NBA coach. And because I am a fellow basketball geek, we're also talking some of our favorite dunks in NBA dunk contest history. Lots of good stuff here throughout. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast, or send an email to joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Always love hearing from you. And you can also support the show via the shop, goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. Get yourself a nice hoodie, a nice hat, some nice mugs or shirts. I literally drank out of my If Only It Were Wine mug today. Sadly, it was not wine and said it was just some tea, but it could have been wine. And that's the most important part is thinking positively, uh, especially when we're all cooped up inside. In the meantime, settle in for a fantastic episode with Brett, Stacy, and Maddie. I'd love to get the elevator pitch on the book series here. But first, what kind of elevator are we riding in while you're, while you're telling us about the book? <laughs> well, I've been fortunate over the last 26 years in coaching to, to ride some all, all different types of uh, elevators. And, and uh, can't, I can't really say that too many uh, stand out. Uh, but one that did was uh, I was fortunate to stay at a, a beautiful hotel out in San Diego at one point, the uh, Hotel Del Coronado. and they, they, you know, it's, it's an old, old fashioned, uh, hotel and very historical and, and they still kind of have the elevator shafts from years and years ago. And, and I think at the time they even had, it was at the point where they would have a, a hotel worker would, would actually be like riding the elevator, uh, with, with the, with the people, with the guests and, I don't. I don't want to even say it, it, it's the term cranking the elevator, but I think he was almost cranking it up to each floor. So um, uh, that that that's the elevator we're uh, we're we're riding in right now. But the, the you know the elevator pitch, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was sitting on my couch one day months ago, and I was reading a a book to my uh, son at the time, who was three, and it was a it was a dinosaur book, and. He had asked me to read it to him. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting there reading it to him. And, and by the end, I closed the book and I said, wow, I said, this was an amazing, simple book about a, di- you know, it's a dinosaur book. But it, it, here it is, you know, 10 pages later, it, it taught my son a very simple, basic principle about being a good friend when you're at the uh, playground. And at that at that point, you know, God had put in my spirit, like, I want you to write a, a, a children's series um, uh, tying in just the simple uh, life skills uh, that I've been able to, to, to witness up, you know, first, firsthand uh, through the game of basketball. So um, 
thus comes the idea of, of on the right path. And it's, it's tied into my uh, nonprofit organization, which is uh, guiding youth basketball players on the right path to reaching their maximum potential through free uh, teaching, education, and mentorship. So we, we, um, we dove into this project uh, with Stacy and Maddie, and we, we can't be more excited uh, to get our first book uh, completed here very soon. That's super cool and and spot on with I'm always amazed every time I read a children's book. I was like, I don't remember that many good lessons uh, when I was reading books. So maybe I was just reading the wrong ones growing up, but I feel like they've really really stepped up the game over the past decade or so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I mean, yeah, back in the day of reading Curious George and, and books like that, yeah, there's way more teaching going on uh, nowadays. <laughs> And Stacy and Maddie, you're also with us on this elevator. So Brett gave a, a nice overview of the book. How about how about you two? How did you end up getting in touch together to working on this series? I guess ironically could link it to San Diego as well. Um, so earlier in, let's see, I think it was, my gosh, it was the spring of 2019. I had gone up to California and I um, ended up meeting up with a producer out there who is a friend of mine, um, David Gunning, and he actually happens to be Brett's nephew. And David wanted to talk about turning one of um, one of my books that I had already written into a movie. So David and I started working together, um, and we're currently working on turning my entire book series into a TV show. But because I was in contact with David when Brett had the idea for this book series, uh, David put me and Brett in touch um, so that we could dive into this together. So um, when I was out in California, I actually stayed in San Diego. So it's kind of funny that Brett picked that elevator uh, of all of them, but it's pretty cool. So yeah, so David connected us and then Brett and I dove into it. And I, you know, as the publisher and the author, um, I needed to find a really talented illustrator. So that was when I set out to do interviews and um, just, you know, put it out there on a bunch of different sites. And I was so blessed to get Maddie, uh, Maddie's application because I just loved her portfolio and everything before I even met with her. And then um, she was just the one, you know, there was um, a couple other illustrators. I remember showing, you know, their work to Brett and stuff, but me and Brett were both uh, just enthralled with Maddie's work, and we just couldn't be happier with the way things are going. That was very flattering. That must be nice to hear, Maddie, huh? Yeah, Stacy and I <laughs> connected um, just after I graduated university, and with this crazy, crazy year we've been having, I graduated with a degree in a field in which I couldn't pursue given the pandemic. I studied archaeology for four years at Penn, and I've done excavations and traveled a lot. And that's just something that wasn't viable for the fall and even going into the next year. So I kind of had to stop and look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, what skills do I have? What do I love to do? And what can I do from the safety of my own home? And it's funny, because I always told myself, um, drawing is something of a hobby of mine, and I never wanted to turn it into work. And I always kind of wanted to keep it as this thing that was my escape from, you know, schoolwork or um, you know, whatever. But then I'm sitting here with this, my tablet in my hand and just knowing how much I love doing this. And I thought to my, you know, why not give it a shot? Why not make this my job? So um, I also went out to a bunch of application sites and I've sorted through 
piles and piles of applications. I interviewed for a huge amount of jobs I was not remotely qualified for. <laughs> um, and then I stumbled on Stacy's advertisement about this project. Um, and immediately it rung a bell with me um, because I come from a family of international coaches and um, then Brett's mission um, just really spoke to me growing up around coaches. And then Stacy and I connected and we really hit it off. And yeah, the rest is history. And we've just really kind of melded well together. It's always nice when you have that moment where you're like, yes, this is, this is the one, this is it. And that's awesome that y'all found each other like that. We'll get back to the design element because I think that's a very crucial part of really any book, but especially for children's book. But Brett, I have to ask, because there's 12 books in the series. And I saw that there's, you've got 12 basketball skill pillars and 12 life skill pillars. Are we seeing one of each in each of these books or are all 12 in every one of the books here? Yeah, so it'll be one uh, life skill in each in each book. Um, and yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't dive into uh we we won't we won't dive into the basketball skills uh per se with this that this will be more uh the life skill component and uh we even tie in a uh a bible a bible verse as well so th th this is solely uh you know the nonprofit um tries to tie in 12 life skills with 12 basketball skills and and, and i've always been uh passionate about that as far as, you know, a lot of times players may hear, you know, of, you know, being unselfish, right? And everybody kind of knows what the word unselfish means, but do, do they know what that means within the game of basketball? So that that's kind of tied in more with the, with the nonprofit. This book series will, will solely be touching on the life skills and it'll be one, one life skill uh, for, with, the, with each book. That's fair. I feel like trying to cram 12 into a single book might be a little ambitious. So I think how you've laid it out makes sense. Do each of you have a favorite life skill out of the 12? Oh, man, there's there's a lot of good ones. You know, I think probably one that, that stands out to me is, you know, is the word, whether it's coachable or teachable, right? And, and let's go with teachable for now. Um, you know, what when you're when you're when you're at a younger age, I think I, I don't think people realize a lot of times that the the one kind of person that we choose to listen to the least is is the one that's actually trying to help us the most. And and what I'm saying is is a lot of times whether it's a teacher at school or one of your coaches, you know, it, 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 there's been a little bit of development in society where it's like. If, 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 a, if a coach gets on you or if a teacher, you know, corrects you, it, it's, you know, well, that's what, that's what they do. That's it, it. You know, that's what, that's what coaches do. They yell at us, you know, it's like, but as you get older, you realize that people that, that teach or people that coach it's, it's for the most part that their passion is purely and simply trying to help other people, you know? And um, so I think, if we can at a, at a young age, uh, get kids to, you know, just to realize, and, and the reality is your, your kids only know what, what they see or what they're taught, right? When you, you come into the world with no knowledge of anything. So you, the only thing you know is what you see or what you're taught. So if we can teach at a very 
young age that your teachers or your coaches, uh, their sole purpose is to help you and, and bring the best out in you and, and, uh, create great habits and things like that. I think if, if, if we, if, if this, if this book series can do just that and just allow kids to understand that being coachable or being teachable is, is an amazing life skill to have. And it's something that could, could benefit you in so many amazing ways. I think, um, you know, I would pick that one as far as standing out the most. The one about being humble, you know, humility. I think that's really, really crucial because that's one thing I think is true across many disciplines that if you go in with a humble attitude, you're going to succeed more. You're going to absorb the lessons of others better and actually be that coachable person. Um, You're going to also want others to rise with you. So you're going to be a good friend and you're going to be, you know, (sighs) grateful and thankful. And, you know, I I really think pride can um, hurt somebody a lot, um, whether it's in athletics or just in any field um, or any even just life situation. So um, for me, I think that's the one that really stands out as a core principle that could change people's lives. Yeah, I also think resiliency is one of the pillars that, especially this year, I think can kind of speak to everyone and really kind of resonated with me that we all have had to be so adaptable and so flexible and so, you know, willing to change for the better. Um, And I think of any age group, as Stacey said, whether it's sports or just, you know, general life, I think we could all do with building our own resiliency and being flexible, um, facing challenges like we've all faced this year. Yeah, spot on with that. This has certainly been a year of resiliency for a lot of people. And I think that ties in nicely with, I would imagine in a quote unquote typical year that your process of working together would probably look a little different than it has this year. So can you kind of take us through what has it been like to work with other people and putting a book together during a pandemic? Stacey, we can start with you for this one. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do with a laptop and the internet because I mean, that's what so much of this has been done. It's it's amazing. I mean, thank God for the technology we have. Um, yeah, it's been interesting, you know, doing everything remotely, uh, but I think it's worked really well. Um, it would be awesome if we could meet up and brainstorm in person and everything, but I don't, I really don't think it's been too difficult, you know, to do it this way. Um, I mean, it's awesome because we're in three very different parts of the country and we're still just able to meet and work together. So um, I think with writing, with publishing, um, and even my other industry, which is education, um, private education for tutoring and college counseling, um, I've been able to kind of continue with that um, without really skipping a beat. So I feel very blessed um, because it's not the case for most other professions. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a go-to tool that you found most helpful or is it just kind of emails hopping on Zoom, that kind of thing? I mean, FaceTime has been a blessing for sure. Um, That's what I use probably more than anything, even, my gosh, even just to see family members at this point. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, FaceTime and Google Docs where, I mean, I know even for for our book, um, Maddie set up a Google 
doc for us with all the illustrations, all the texts and everything. And it's just, we can all be on there at the same time. We can leave notes for each other. I mean, it's just been a great tool. Um, and that's exactly what I use with my students as well. So we're fortunate <laughs> to have that. Do uh, your FaceTime sessions also devolve at some point into playing around with all the emoji icons <laughs> on there? Because I feel like all of my FaceTimes do at some point. <laughs> And, you know, that did happen actually with one of my students where it was like I hadn't done the update, so I didn't even know that you could do that. And all of a sudden his face turned into like this giant cow with like hard eyes. And I'm like, what's going on? Like you're suddenly a cow. And he's like, oh, I just did the update. And yeah, that was that was entertaining. But um, but no, that's not, that's not the norm. <laughs> it happens. And Maddie, from the illustration side of things, what is your process like do you have like are you given some instruction around what um what to go for or is it just kind of you have the text and take it from there yeah every project is different and i kind of have to we, there's always that kind of really awkward process of figuring everyone's working style out for the first few pages and we really kind of have to read the room and see what works and what doesn't for this particular project google docs has worked really well so for example, a process would be, I would submit to Brett and Stacy maybe three very, very rough sketches on the Google Doc and they can go in at their leisure, make notes, say, you know, I really like this, I really like this, let's add this. And then just really, and then up, and then I would upload a newer sketch and then a colored sketch. And then through every process, I would have their feedback in real time. Um, yeah, which has been as Stacy said, my process has been completely seamless. This is how I normally work, which is why I pursue this career, get the pandemic. Um, but yeah, we've we've all worked well with the Google Doc. We've all been really communicative and really um, it's been a cinch, really. Nice, nice. That's always always good to hear rather than a pulling teeth story, which it doesn't sound like you <laughs> you all have a problem with that. So that's awesome. And another element that I think is interesting is the marketing side of things, because again, pre-pandemic, there are events you could go to, conferences to attend, where that's a, a very natural, bring the book with you, talk about it, interact with people, get them excited about it. But that's not really a thing we're doing, you know, virtual conferences all over the place, a lot of things just getting canceled or postponed. So have you found any kind of unorthodox marketing tools as you're promoting the series? I mean, I have um, actually two different PR teams now working for the publishing company, um, kind of like keeping me in the loop on what's been working, what's not. Um, one of one of them, um, Veronica, she mentioned doing some, you know, virtual conferences and stuff that we could plug into, um, keynote, keynote speaking, things like that. Um, there's been, you know, some magazine articles, newspaper articles, things like that. But it is, I mean, that face-to-face -face contact, like the idea of setting up a book signing or a book reading, you know, at the local Barnes and Noble. I mean, right now, none of that stuff's happening. So it is, um, it is different, but thankfully I do have, you know, two different teams of people kind of working on that to figure out how we can take advantage of the situation and what works, but not waste time on what isn't working. So that is a bit of a challenge right now. I wonder, this just triggered something, but when I first moved to Austin and 
again, this might not work super well in cold <laughs> cities right now, but uh, the, I, I met someone who was a cab driver who just had all these great stories with people. And he had learned from a friend uh, of a thing called barstool poetry, where essentially there'd be a, a stack of napkins and you'd come over and write a title and then put them in a bowl and someone else would take the title and write a poem underneath and then he'd read some of his favorites throughout the night and i i always thought that was very entertaining and i i feel like you could kind of work a an outdoor book reading sort of thing like that you know get some heat lamps um but spread people out nicely just get a nice pa system to do their reading i feel like you could make that make that work if there's not crazy amounts of snow everywhere yes <laughs> yeah maybe texas would be the place for that maybe we'll come down to see you brett <laughs> yeah head over to san diego ride the elevator it, it's perfect yeah no it is i mean it is interesting um just the adjustments you know because of the pandemic and always not you know just not knowing if there's going to be another major lockdown and what's coming um certainly a year of uncertainty but i mean thankfully working from home i think has given me a little bit more time in my day because i'm not commuting anywhere and that the time i've been able to invest in a lot of creative projects and including this one and um, really just the publishing company and building that up into um, something that I honestly never imagined it would become, but it's becoming. And I, I honestly think that the pandemic has given creative people more time to work on their projects. So there's probably, I'm getting more book submissions from other authors than I would have expected. And I think there's been a lot of people writing books this past year. So um, it's interesting. I, I do think everyone I know who is a creative person, whether it's, you know, with making homemade masks at home or, you know, jarring and writing songs, whatever it is, everyone's sort of um, been able to do that a little bit more this year because of COVID. Absolutely. I know I finally finished my book of short stories. So I am one of those many people that I have have been like, you know what, I'm taking this extra time and I'm doing some stuff with it. And of course, that opens up an interesting question. And Maddie, let's start with you for this one. But have you picked up any quarantine hobbies? Ooh. See, this isn't a great quarantine hobby, but one of my absolute favorite things in the world to do other than drawing is to travel. So I'm sitting here on my computer when I'm not doing commissions for clients, you know, planning the next big getaway and these crazy extravagant trips that I'm never going to be able to afford to go on. But dreams are free. So I spend hours writing itineraries on my computer. <laughs> What's the most extravagant you've planned? I think the Maldives. Um, that's one of the only places that's open right now. And obviously, I would not fly to the Maldives at the moment. But that's one of those places where you've got to fly into a major airport and take a charter plane. It's, it's a whole process, but maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> it does look gorgeous. Oh, it looks so that's stunning. quite understandable. It looks stunning. <laughs> and it's like an all beach itinerary. So right? it's, it's very outdoor. No lose. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, how about you? Have you picked up any hobbies during the quarantine? Oh man, I would just say I've pretty much been on on the uh, my life's been on the run the last twenty six years, and and the 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 quarantine life of being at home. I, I learned uh, just how women are are uh, wired 
much differently than men and are way tougher than men because it, it, it meaning mothers and mothers in particular, meaning when, when we, we get to just, you know, wake up in the morning and, and, you know, we get to say, Hey, we're, uh, we're going to work today or, Hey, I'm going on a five, five day trip to, uh, LA and Phoenix and I'll be home in five days. And, and, you know, that now the, 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 the mothers get stuck at home and it's 24 seven. So my, my quarantine has been a, a revelation of, of reality for <laughs> just the amazing hard work that, uh, you know, my wife and, and obviously mothers in general, you know, just do when, when a lot of times we get to uh, r- run around the country and chase our passions and things like that. So my days are up with the kiddies, cooking breakfast to school lines, to pickup lines, to, I don't know, then all of a sudden the day's over. So um, <laughs> I can't really say I, I picked up a hobby other than probably learned a little bit about more of the real world that, uh, wives and mothers live in every day <laughs> <laughs> always good things to know for sure stacy how about you or just just doing all of the creative things <laughs> yeah um yeah i've had a lot of a lot of creative projects i guess one of the things um that i've been doing now is i decided to open up another uh, company um so i recently just in the past month opened up an online shop. Um, actually, and Maddie has a hand in this too. Um, and it's to help raise money for um, animal rescues. So I have two long-haired dachshunds, Briley and Baxter. And that's actually who the publishing company is named after is Briley and Baxter Publications. But I just opened up the Briley and Baxter shop, which 50% of the proceeds from every item um, go to a different animal rescue every month. And um, Baxter was a rescue. So he's kind of the inspiration behind that. But what I did was I built up the dogs following over the last few years on Instagram so that they have, you know, over 5,000 followers. And, you know, I've made amazing friends all around the world who are dog lovers through Instagram. And from there, um, I've met a lot of people that are involved with rescues. Um, so we've been able to team up with a couple of different ones um, the Tiny Tim on Wales Foundation for this month, they help dogs that suffer from IVDD, which a lot of dachshunds do because of their long spines. They help them, you know, financially, whether it's they need a, a doggy wheelchair or they need surgery. So that's who we're donating the proceeds to this month. Um, next month, I think it's going to be a rescue um, that's out of New York. Uh, still working out the details for that. But um, the shop um, basically is. Maddie's artwork is a huge part of it. So she drew a bunch of different illustrations of Briley and Baxter dressed up for graduation, for Christmas, for Easter. I mean, every holiday you can think of. And then I put those images on items that range from t-shirts and sweatshirts to masks, to mugs, to journals, um, to phone cases, to basically everything that dog lovers can buy for a good cause. So that's kind of been um, my project. My new hobby lately is just building up the store. Now I think there's over like 180 different items available. Um, They're reasonably priced and um, it's on Etsy. It's called Two Cuddly Dachshunds, which is what their Instagram name also is. And it's the Briley and Baxter shop. So yeah, that's, that's probably my latest hobby. Next month, it'll probably be something different, but <laughs> that's this month. 
Uh, as a fellow, I, I have two dogs as well, and they're each half dachshund, uh, or at least partial. I'm, I don't know what the uh, 23 and me yeah. equivalent is, but yeah, Chihuahua dachshund mix and a Jack Russell Terrier and dachshund mix, which apparently is called a jockshund, okay. uh, which I did not know yeah. and feel ridiculous every time I say it. So <laughs> I just try to go uh, with the full breed names, but yes, they are wonderful dogs. And that sounds like such a fantastic cause and i i am going to look at the shop right after this because i want to see all those illustrations awesome. yeah maddie you did a great job i mean i have friends now all over the world like ordering stuff like um they're posting pictures of things from like finland the netherlands british columbia i mean those illustrations you did i mean they're all over the place now on t-shirts sweatshirts. that's super super cool i love doing them <laughs> yeah exciting oh, fantastic fantastic now one thing I always like to ask on this podcast is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And Stacy, you provided the uh, prompt for this one um, that uh, your faith is a big link between you and Brett. So how is faith central to both your life and your work? My faith is central to, I would say, every part of my life. But um, it really became, I could say, a navigating factor um, when I was this junior or senior in college. And, um, I sort of rededicated myself to my faith after kind of walking away from it for a few years and realizing that there was so much missing when I wasn't walking in step with my creator. So once I turned back to my Christian roots and really started just walking forward, um, God really started just showing me a lot more about myself and the gifts that he had given me and that he had a very specific path for my life, um, which I did not need to know in advance, but what I need to do is just trust him with it and trust him to open all the right doors and shut all the wrong doors as I continued to give him, um, give my will over to him. So after college, um, I actually was working in architecture industry. That's what I had gone to school for was architectural engineering and interior design. And I just felt like something was missing. Um, it was weird because I had always loved design projects. I mean, I really, I literally had started drawing houses, like interior floor plans of houses from, I don't know, when I was like 10 years old onward. And it certainly was a fun hobby for me. Um, it was just when I got into the field, there was a lack of personal connection. Um, I felt just kind of empty, just sitting behind the computer working on I don't know, these big office plans from Microsoft's, you know, new Long Island office and stuff like that. I, I think I wanted to be interacting with people a lot more than I was. So I started praying for God to just show me. I was like, I know you created me to do something. I just know this isn't it. And you need to show me I'll do anything. I'll go on the mission field. I'll go back to school, like whatever it is, you know, please show me. And at the time, my stepdad was really sick with pancreatic cancer, and he had only been given three to six months to live, but he had already, you know, lived past a year, and we were dealing with all that at home. So I opted to take a medical leave of absence um, to help my mom take care of my stepdad. And in that time, you know, really seek out God and pray about what he had for me and what his plan was um, for my career. And that is ultimately through a long series of events. It's what led me to the field of education. Um, and what's so amazing about that is working as a tutor and a college counselor, I work every day with 
teens. And that's what my books are about. My, my other two book series, um, Gripped and Montgomery Lake High, they're for teenagers. Um, and they basically educate kids about the perils of prescription drug abuse and other um, issues, social issues like bullying and peer pressure. Um, it's done in a fiction way and hopefully an entertaining way, but it really just want kids to know that that is not what leads to fulfillment. So the fact that I get to work every day with teens and even take a bunch of them on as interns for my book series, it's just amazing how God worked that together with me being able to work daily with my intended audience for the books that I actually started writing when I was a teenager. So, um, you know, I would say that I've come from, you know, the architecture industry and then gone on to education and literature, but it has been all because of my faith and the direction that God has so clearly given me through divine appointments and just things that you would call chance happenings, but they're so coincidental, you know, they can't possibly be a coincidence. And um, it's really just been an amazing avenue and I'm so fulfilled. I mean, I still remember what it felt like to go to work in Boston every day at the architect firm and how empty I felt. And then now it's like, I wake up every day and I can't believe I get paid to do what I do because I just love it so much. And I just feel like I'm doing exactly what I was created to do. And that security and knowing that and the fulfillment that comes with that is just unmatched. So, yeah, that's a long-winded answer, but I tried to sum it up. It's it's, it's, a lot. it's really um, my whole life, honestly. No, that's a powerful feeling for sure. Brett, do you have anything to add? Oof, man, that, that, that'd be hard. <laughs> that's going to be hard to top. <laughs> yeah, follow up <laughs> but, that. But, no, but you know what? I'll, I can sum it up, in, again, as uh, just in the way that Stacey and I um, crossed paths. It, it, it had God's fingerprints all over it. My nephew, David, had... Um, had given to me a couple of Stacy's books. This was years ago, a couple of years ago. And uh, I, I am part of a great church here in Houston, Lakewood Church, which is uh, Joel Osteen's church. And they obviously have a great youth and young adult um, uh, group as well. And my, my good friend of mine is, is the leader of, of the youth and young adults at Lakewood. His name is Nick Nelson. So my nephew, gives me these books uh, from a from a friend of his who happens to be Stacy. I wind up taking the books to my friend at Lakewood and, um, you know, just said, hey, you know, um, keep these in mind if, if you guys were looking for some books for the for the youth and, and young adults. And so fast forward a couple of years later, which happened to be a couple months ago when I had that um, in my spirit about doing this series. Um, I had remembered that David knew somebody that wrote Christian-based youth youth books. So uh, the moment it, it was in my spirit to do this, I was like, "Man, I gotta call, I gotta call David and get um, see if it would be okay if he could connect us." Well, David wound up calling me the day before, and and I was um, at a dinner, and I said, "Hey, Dave." Can I call you? Can I call you back? And so here it is. God had already had, he already orchestrated before I was even going to reach out to Stacy. It was already, this thing was already all orchestrated. Um, so when you, when you get to that point of understanding, you know, there's the Bible verse about how God knows the end from the beginning and, and he wired us from the womb. You know, I, I've been passionate about 
basketball my whole life. And I think when you can, you can get to that place of peace to say, okay, he's wired. He has wired each one of us with these unique passions, right? Um, whether for Maddie, it's, it's what her passion is or, or for Stacy with her, they're, they're all different, right? We, we don't have, we all, we all don't have the same unique passion, but when you're able to recognize like, okay, what is this uh, unique passion that he put inside of me? And uh, when I come to peace with what that is, what can I now do to use that passion to uh, be of service to other people or to help other people? And in turn, can I lead, can I wind up leading others uh, to God through the passion that he put inside of me? And, and I think that's what we're trying to do here with this series. And, and it's been amazing working with both Stacy and Maddie. But I think that the whole purpose here is, you know, can we impact lives, you know, for the kingdom? And can we lead others to God uh, through this book series? And, and I think that's... Um, uh, you know, that's what's most important for me with this project. I'll only add that I think the storyline for On the Right Path is just, it's simple, it's beautiful, it's poignant in a way that will speak to families of every faith. Um, Brett's mission to write the story and Stacy's words, which bring it to life, are deeply rooted in their love of their faith and a love of God. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And as I always do on the show, ending with a top three, because everyone loves a good list. And Brett, you've got more than a quarter century of coaching experience. So can you distill this down to your top three coaching moments? Wow, that's, that's, um, that's tough. I will say this. My dream was always to get to the NBA um, as a coach. I get to the NBA 12 years ago, and my first year with the Houston Rockets, um, we get to the Western Conference semifinals, and we're playing against the Kobe Bryant-led Los Angeles Lakers. We took them to a game seven. We wound up losing eventually in the game seven and the Lakers wound up going on and beating the Celtics to win the championship. Um, so I think that stands out num number one, just as far as a kid, you know, growing up outside of Philly, Philadelphia and, you know, rooting for the Sixers as a kid and, and um, having the opportunity to get to the NBA and fulfill my, dream and here it is you're playing the lakers so that that stands out as number one number two again growing up in in the philadelphia area the the the, the heated rivalry was with um stacy's uh now boston celtics and one of one of the great players on that team was a guy by the name of kevin McHale. so it was larry bird kevin McHale, and robert parish they were the, the the original big three at the time and um so here it is. I'm a kid again, growing up in Philly. I'm watching the Sixers play against the Celtics, and Kevin McHale was this dominant player. And if somebody would have said, you know, 25 years from now, you're going to be coaching, <laughs> you're going to be on a coaching staff with that guy. I mean, you can't even make that stuff up. So I think the second moment would just be um, all the great coaches that I've worked with, but in particular, a, a guy that I grew up watching as a, as a, as a hated Boston Celtic guy. And now I'm, I'm on his staff, uh, coaching, coaching him, coaching with him. Uh, and I think the third one, you know, a couple of years ago, I was fortunate to be a part of a, uh, a great, uh, Houston rocket team. We won 65 games 
which was the most in the in the franchise's history. And we we had the opportunity of coaching in the All Star game. Uh, I was an assistant. The head coach was uh, Mike D'Antoni. And again, for j- just a, a regular simple kid from outside of Philadelphia to be to be coaching in the All Star game and, and to be around just the greats the greats of the game that that was an incredible uh, moment um, that I'll never forget. That is super cool. I have two quick follow-up questions. Uh, number one, have you told Kevin McHale that you disliked him growing up? <laughs> oh, for sure. No, <laughs> first of all, Kevin McHale, is, he's one of the greatest guys in the world. I mean, just an amazing, amazing guy. But the funny thing is, and, and Stacy and Maddie will think this is disgusting, but he, Kevin McHale was a, was a, uh, how do you say it? Um, had a lot of hair on his body. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and and he was a guy that sweated a lot. So my memory of him as a kid was he would always, whenever there was a stoppage of play, he would kind of yell to the ball boy like, "Hey, throw me a towel." So the guy would throw him a towel, and he'd wipe his armpits, and he'd wipe all over, and then he'd like fire it back to the kid, and he would do this throughout the course of the game. And, and, and back in the eighties, they would always wear that. They, they were wearing the short shorts. So it was like short shorts, hairy, hairy body sweating all over. And I'm like, this guy's, this guy's what I, you know, he's out of his mind. And then again, here it is. I'm sitting there coaching with him and he's an amazing guy, just a great, great person. Uh, so yeah, I definitely told him and he didn't even have to, he didn't even have to ask because if you, if you grew up, if you're a Celtic, you know, I mean, think about this, the Sixers and the Celtics, they, they're infamous for, there was a fight between Dr. J, who was the great player from the Sixers and Larry Bird. So there was a fight during a game, okay, where they fought each other. Well, people, most people fail to realize is the fight took place in a preseason game. That's how much, (laughs) that's how much those teams hated each other. You know, they were just so I, I don't think Kevin McHale was at all surprised that I that I hated watching him growing up. <laughs> I've seen footage of that fight before, but I didn't think I knew it was in a preseason Pre-season game. Preseason <laughs> game. Pre but but you know, McHale made the interesting point. When you when you play in the same conference, you know, you play it multiple times during the year. Then they played in the playoffs year after year. You know, so and then so by the time you know, that it got around to preseason, you know, you've now played this team, you know, just like for with, with us, with the Rockets, we, we've played Golden State, what, three, four of the last five years into seven game series. Then you put you on, that's on top of playing them four times during the, you know, after five years, you've played the team 30 times. So <laughs> um, that, that, that's where the, the hatred just gets built up. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's it, the more you see someone, it's kind of like it definitely festers a little bit there. And then my second question, and Maddie and Stacey, you can feel free to hop in if you have a favorite as well. But you mentioned the All Star Game. Always love the dunk contest. Do it during it. Do you have a favorite dunk from an NBA dunk contest? Well, you know what's in, it's very interesting you say that. So when I was in college, I graduated from uh, you. I graduated from UNLV. And the, our, our best player at that time was a guy by the name of J.R. Ryder, uh, who also went by the name Isaiah Ryder. But when he was a, when it was his last year at UNLV, he, he used to come into practice every day and he would do this. He was from Oakland and he would do a dunk. It was called the East Bay Funk Dunk, something like that. And it's, you go up, you jump up in the air and you, you put it through one leg, you bring it around and you dunk it. And he was like, 
hey guys, just so y'all know, I'm gonna I'm gonna win the, the dunk contest on this dunk next year. And sure enough, <laughs> the next year he won the dunk contest on this dunk. It was his final final dunk, and it was the East Bay Funk dunk. And we were and we were like, wow, this guy used to just he'd walk into practice or he'd walk in after class. He'd have jeans on, and he just I mean he was just an unbelievable athlete and uh and player as well but you know he would do it like it was nothing and then here it is fast forward a year later he wins the dunk contest on it <laughs> so that's probably the one that stands out the most and certainly the best name for a dunk i think oh yeah east bay <laughs> funk stacy or maddie do you have a a top dunk from your memories too <laughs> i can't yeah i would yeah, i would I think not <laughs> I was going to say, how many how many dunk contests have you watched? I can't say I have a favorite. No comment. <laughs> so I started a basketball and pop culture newsletter this quarantine as well. And I did uh, an article on some of the most underrated dunks. And uh, just one that I think is so goofy was Dwight Howard's sticker dunk. I think a lot of people remember the Superman dunk, but he did a dunk the year before where he it was kind of a normal dunk, but he reached up and put a sticker of his face at the top of the backboard and then like got out a tape measure to oh, wow. show that it was like 12 and a half feet off the ground. And I was just like, this is so ridiculous, but so creative. So I had to, had to applaud it. <laughs> I'm all for the silly factor in dunk contests. <laughs> well, we can get off the basketball talk and... Y'all are officially off the hook for this podcast interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat and walk us through uh, the whole backstory behind this book, how you all have been working together and looking forward to all of the releases down the line. If people want to order a copy or learn more about the book, about all of y'all, where can they go? Um, well, once the book is available for sale, there'll be a lot of announcements on the publishing website, which is just www rileybaxterbooks.com um, and I'm sure Brett on your website for On the Right Path you'll probably have a link to it too right? Yeah that, and that's on the right path.net. Perfect perfect Maddie do you want to give a plug for your portfolio or if, if people are in need of an illustrator? Of course um, you can find me at Maddie Moore M-A-D-D-Y-M-O-O-R-E one word dot art all of my socials are on there and my portfolio is there for anyone to view. You can send me a message right from there. Fantastic. So we've got a .com, .net, and a .art. I like it. This is the most <laughs> hard for you. buried. Yes. No, I love it. I love it. Well, fantastic. Thank you again for hopping on. This was so much fun. And at, uh, good people, uh, cool things first here with three guests on one show. I think we nailed it. Well done all around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And of course, we'll end with a corny joke, as we always do. How do you organize a party in space? How? You plan it. <laughs> Good afternoon today, people. <laughs> Definitely repeating that one. <laughs> <laughs>